Our Lenten journey has taken us through pieces of the Old Testament, looking at both our brokenness as human beings and God's blessing and grace. And so we wrap up kind of our Lenten series today in Ezekiel and uh, the story of brokenness and blessing in the Valley of Bones. And so as we turn to this scripture today, just kind of heads up on what's going on, uh, this is written in about 650 B.C., it was a season where things looked uh, irreparable if you were a child of Israel, right? Looked broken and lost and bleak in all so many ways. Uh, Jerusalem was a pile of rubble. The walls of the, of the city that they thought never would be destroyed, the walls were torn down. The temple of Solomon, the glorious temple of Solomon that had stood for hundreds of years was also a pile of rubble. And no one was in Israel except the poorest of the poor. The rest of the people had left their homeland by force, were living in Babylon, and were wondering if that was going to be the end of the story. For so many years, the prophets had been prophesying doom to the people of Israel. But Ezekiel, who is a prophet in Babylon among God's people there, begins to sense from God a very different message. And it's that message that we get to jump into and see from our perspective today. And that is Ezekiel 37, the Valley of Dry Bones. So I invite you now, if you have your Bibles, to follow along and hear the word of the Lord. The hand of the Lord was on me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And so he asked me, Son of Adam, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I'll put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. The bones came together bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them but there was no breath in them. So then the Lord said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. The breath entered them and they came to life and stood up on their feet a vast army. And then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up. 
and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophecy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, my people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Will you pray with me and for me? Lord Jesus, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Lord Jesus, help me lift you up today. May we allow your breath to move through our hearts in this place. Pray in Christ's name. Amen. In Ezekiel's day, things were bad. Things were more than bad. Things were really bad. They were so bad, the people of Israel were living in a foreign land, having to learn how to speak another language, a foreign tongue. And they didn't know if home was ever going to happen ever, ever again. To them, their, their community, their life, their nation, their peoplehood, it was gone. It had evaporated. There was nothing instead left but death and dry bones. And so the Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit, brings Ezekiel into the midst of this. And Ezekiel is, is giving the prophetic word to the people of Israel. And so God brings them to this valley of dry bones. Bones so dry, there is absolutely no doubt. There is no life left in this valley. It is a place of death. Brothers and sisters, we too find ourselves in moments in very similar places to varying degrees. Some of us, it may be in our career, and we've lost a job, and we just don't know if we're going to find the next one. Others of us, it may be in a marriage relationship that's not going well, or or a relationship with our kids that's not going well, and, and we can't see any hope of getting it back on the right track. It may be in some other area of life, but in these moments, we wonder if transformation is possible at all. And we all experience this at some point in our life. I was thinking this morning of the actor Peter Dinklage, uh, the short uh, actor, incredible actor. He's done some amazing things, but I've heard his story, how he wondered if he would ever even have the chance to get into acting. He went to school in theater. His hope was that him and his best friend could start a theater company and just have fun doing stuff either on Broadway, off Broadway, however it would work. But that's not how it went. After graduating from college, looking for work, looking for some roles, he found nothing. He had no job. 
He slept on people's couches until they kicked him out because they, you know, he couldn't help them pay rent at all. But he just went from one couch to another couch to another couch for two years, eating scrapes and scraps and whatever he could scrounge up. Then he kind of came to the reality, I guess I've got to do something to make money. And so he worked in data entry in New York, filling in data, you know, over and over and over again. He did this for six years. Yes, it provided him money, but it wasn't what he loved. It wasn't what he wanted to do. He was almost getting to the place where he is 28, 29, almost 30, and he was wondering, man, is this it? Am I going to have to let my dream die? Is this the best I can do? For Peter Dinklage, at 28, he wondered if his valley was a valley of death. In so many ways, we can struggle with similar things. A second story I want to talk about today is the story of a fellow named Graham Seed. Graham Seed's not a name you know like Peter. He uh, grew up in Middlesbrough, England, in a very rough home, in a rough neighborhood. And as he got older, uh, by the age of 15, he was already uh, charged with a possible murder charge. He was thrown in detention as a teenager. And there, he was anti-authority. Whatever the folks said to do in detention, he would do the exact opposite. And he found by the end of his time, by the time he got out, he was even angrier and filled with more rage than when he went in. Now, in England, you don't just join a regular gang. You become a football hooligan. So I'm guessing he was a football hooligan for Middlesbrough, the town he grew up in. And what football hooligans do is they, when they go play another team, often they go beat up the other team's hooligans. And so he lived a life on the streets, you know, getting cuts under his eye, getting bottles poked in his eye, uh, getting his shoulder out of joint, losing his front teeth. And he was just a young man full of rage and anger and hatred. And things were so bad, when his mom talked to him, she'd say, Graham, you're nothing but evil. You're pure evil. You're a son of Satan. And you're even worse than your dad. And for Graham, that made him even more angry because he knew how violent his dad had been to his mom growing up as a kid. And so filled with rage, filled with anger, filled with hostility, he turned instead to alcohol and drugs and despair. And for years after year after year, that's all he did, is he drank and did drugs and wondered, what's the point to all this life? Things became so bad as he was sitting on a park bench one day, um, he passed out and didn't wake up and ended up in the hospital. Graham's seed was as good as dead. So in our lives, too, we find similar things. In our church, you know, we would love to see our church filled with people once again, and we wonder, have we seen our best days? 
Or is there hope for something new? Um, and even in my own life, uh, we're working with confirmation students this year in confirmation class, and we've got about 10 or 12 middle schoolers. But a lot of them are middle school boys, right? If you know the heart and the attitude of a middle school boy, they don't want to sit down and listen to me teach them about how to follow Jesus. They'd rather be playing games. So every three minutes is like, Pastor Chris, when can we go play a game? And part of me wonders, is there any hope for these confirmation kids, these confirmation boys especially? By the end of this, will they have learned anything at all? And we wonder in our valley of bones, is it possible for anything else to happen? But then, in our bleakest moment, God speaks. And in speaking, he pulls us out of our darkness. He pulls us out of death. He pulls us out of that moment of loss and says, Son of Adam, daughter of Eve, can these bones live? With that question springs the potential for great hope. And so that's the question that I encourage you to look at your own life and your own walk, wherever you are, whether in school or work or whatever you're doing. The Lord comes to you this morning and says, can these bones live? Your relationship with your spouse or your kids that's gotten on the rocks and it hadn't gone particularly well the last few years, God speaks into that and says, can these bones live? Maybe your career that is stalled like Peter Dinklage's did and is at a dead end and you wonder, Lord, is this it? Am I done? Am I forced into retirement at the age of 25 or not? God comes in and says, can these bones live? For our church, for the gospel of Jesus in our community and nation and world, in the midst of wondering do people want to go to church anymore and be in church anymore? God speaks. Can these bones live? Now, it'd be nice if we could say, yes, Lord, they can. But oftentimes, like Ezekiel, our faith isn't quite there. We know how dry the bones are. We know how desolate it is. And so the best we can do, like Ezekiel, is say, Sovereign Lord, I have no clue. I don't know. But I believe you do. And so I hope that this morning, that as you wrestle with death and darkness, and can something be made out of this mess? Can there be transformation in life? I hope you will see, and I hope you'll answer, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Because in the midst of that, if we'll just offer a possibility that maybe God might can do something, then oftentimes God comes alongside us and says, Okay, Chris, let's put your money where your mouth is. Now it's time to speak in my behalf and speak life into this situation of death. And so he called Ezekiel to this prophetic role. And in this prophetic role, it often doesn't all happen at once. Sometimes it's a thing that happens in stages. 
And we see God's movement from death to life occur in the story in stages. The first stage, he says, is Ezekiel prophesied to the dry bones and tell the dry bones, listen, start shaking, start moving, start rattling, because it's time for you to come to life. It's time for skin to get on you and tendons to lock with you. It's time for you to wake up once again. And so Ezekiel shares the prophecy. And as he speaks the word of the Lord, the bones do start to shake and things start to rattle and noises start to happen and the bones come together bone to bone. He looks and there are the tendons, there is the flesh, but something is still missing. These bones look a bit more alive, but they're still dead. And so the Lord comes back to Ezekiel a second time. All right, you've, you've prophesied to the bones. Now it's time. Prophesy. Prophesy to the breath. And say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath. Come from the four winds. Come and breathe in this place. And as the breath, the ruach, the spirit of the life-giving God enters the place, enters the valley, the soldiers stand on their feet, given life as a vast army. And so, ah, no way, life has conquered death. Is that the end? No, God comes to Ezekiel a third time. And in this third time, he says, Son of man, you've spoken to the bones, you've spoken to the breath. Now I want you to speak to my people Speak to my people, my people who say, our bones are so dried up, our hope is gone. We're cut off from the Lord and life. We're cut off from our homeland. We're cut off from the temple. We're cut off from Jerusalem. We have no hope. He says, go and prophesy to them. My people, I'm going to open up your graves and bring you up from the dead. I'll bring you back to the land of Israel. I'm going to open up your graves and you're going to raise from the dead and I'll bring you back home. And when I do, when I do this resurrection work, you will know I am the Lord. You see, God moves in our lives. He moves in our world because he wants us to know him he wants us to love him. He wants us to trust him. And he knows that, that sometimes the best moments to do this kind of work are in cemeteries. Mike Slaughter uh, was the former lead preacher at Ginghamsburg United Methodist Church in Tippett City, Ohio. He's been a lead pastor in all of United Methodism for years. He has this little saying, God does God's best work in cemeteries. God does God's best work in cemeteries. Hallelujah! God can take a valley of death and bring life out of it. God can take a nation and people disconnected and far from home, wondering if they will ever be able to go home, if, if Jerusalem will ever be something more than rubble if there will ever be another temple once again. 
And the Lord can speak in the promise. Yes, I will do it. And when I do it, you will know. I am the Lord. And I have done it. And so for us today, that is our hope. That in the midst of dry places and dead places, that God can do something new. He is a God of resurrection. He loves working in cemeteries. He loves working in our lives. And so in all these instances, we see how he's at work. We see the progress toward from death to resurrection every step of the way. And so for Peter Dinklage, that meant stepping out in faith and quitting his job, uh, you know, doing the data entry in New York City, and instead trying one more time, banking on finding just one or two roles that could go from there. From there, Peter Dinklage went on to first, I first know him in Elf. He was the short boss in Elf, and he went from there to Game of Thrones, and from Game of Thrones just last year, he made a wonderful version of Cyrano. Um, one of the most incredible actors around. God brought life from death. And even in our own church community, there are signs of life in our midst. When I came here two years ago, right after COVID, working with Shane and hiring Antonio, when we started that project, Shane had about six kids. That was it. Youth group had six to eight youth. Two of them were mine. And that was it. And here we are a year and a half later. And on Wednesday night, we're seeing 20 to 25 children every week. 20 to 25 kids, parents and young families. And in youth group, we're seeing 14 to 16. I'm working with, as I said, confirmation class this year. And in confirmation class, it's probably the biggest confirmation class I've worked with. Usually I'm working with four to six kids. And this year we've got 10 to 12. That we're trying to hope something happens to them. Something happens in their heart and life. And, and there's temptation, you know. Uh, there's temptation to believe these teenage boys, nothing, nothing's going to get through to them. But then I have to remember when I was in eighth grade and went to Christian camp with a bunch of other middle school boys and girls. By the end of camp that week, probably most of the counselors thought, Man, this mess of middle school boys and girls, nothing good is going to happen probably with any of them. But God found me, and that was a week that changed the whole trajectory of my life. And so sometimes we don't see it, sometimes we don't recognize it, but it, God is at work, and He is doing amazing things. And, and we continue to pray and speak into God's prophetic resurrection voice Lord do more do more in us do more through us bring more resurrection I envision a day when this place is filled once again filled with folks from all over our community black and white rich and poor Hispanic and Asian young and old children and teens and college students 
Our prayer is that God would once again raise us to new life and that he would take something that we wonder if our best days are already done and instead turn us to thinking, yes, God, do more in and through us. We give you all that we are. We'll speak our prophetic hope. We'll bring the hope to our community and see what you will do next. We'll believe that when you do it, we'll stand back and say, yes, I know the Lord is here and he is real because he has spoken and he has done it. And also Graham Seed saw God do it in his life as well. I told you Graham Seed, the last day he remembers that week, he'd gone out to do what he normally does. He sat on the bench, started drinking, doing his drugs. Um, a couple of weeks before, some Christians around the neighborhood would come and try to talk to him about Jesus. And he'd say, Jesus, my Nana talked about Jesus, but I don't believe in any Jesus. Get out of here. And he'd run them off like he'd always done. But on this day in drinking and his drug doing, he didn't know it, but his body was killing itself. He was malnourished, he was dehydrated, and his body had septicemia and slipped that morning into a coma. They rushed him to the hospital, and for six days he was in the hospital, no response at all. The doctors finally came to his mother and said, I'm sorry, but Graham is as good as dead. There's nothing more we can do. You might as well take him off life support. It's over. All this was in 1996. And then a friend of his piped up to his mom and said, uh, Mom, there are these Christian guys here and they want to know if they can help you. And she turned and she said, How's that going to help? He's dead. What can they do? They came and they said, well, we can offer prayer. Will you let us pray for your son one more time before you let him go? So they went over to his bedside. They placed their hands on his head. And they said, Graham, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, be healed. And Graham said in that moment, he woke up. He pulled off the mask. And as he came to life once again, he was not the same person he had just been six days ago. He says, when I woke up, I thought it was crazy. I knew I didn't need drugs anymore. I didn't need alcohol. I didn't need to smoke. All the anger I had was gone. All the bitterness and all, all the past was gone. And I thought I was going crazy. And shortly after that, some of the guys came up and wanted me to go on an alpha course. Now, if you don't know what an alpha course is, an alpha course is an adult confirmation class on how to follow Jesus. So he said, what's an alpha course? And they said, well, just, it's this class. Go check it out. He went, and on alpha, they have a, a weekend away where they invite the breath of God, the Holy Spirit, to come move uh, among God's people. 
And he said, on that night, he, he had a prayer time with Jesus. He said, Jesus, I know that uh, these, these folks keep telling me you love me. And I'm starting to kind of believe it, but I need more. So if you're real, will you come into my life and change my heart and make me new? He said in that moment, he fell back into his chair. He burst into tears. And he just couldn't stop crying. But in the midst of his tears, he also knew something real. For the first time in his life, he knew who he was. He knew who God was. And he knew what he had to do for the rest of his life. And as he got up from that uh, weekend in November of 1996, he says he immediately went out to the streets of Middlesbrough. Being filled with the love of Jesus, he went out sharing the love of Jesus with all his old friends and all his old buddies that walked the streets with him for so many years. And he's been doing that for the last 25 years. You see, God loves cemeteries. He does his best work in cemeteries. And God can take a life like Graham Seed at death's door and bring him back for a better purpose. And so what can the Lord do for you today? What can he do for me today? What can he do in our church today? The good news is when you see dry bones, God is ready to give them life. May we as well allow the Lord to breathe into us new life. And wherever you are at a dead end situation, may you trust him that he will see you through. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Will you pray with me? Lord, I just want to invite us gathered here to hear you speak into our situations, whatever they are. Can these bones live? Lord, they're dry bones. They're dead bones. They've been stuck in the ground for generations. But yet, Lord, you can bring them back to life. And so, Lord, let your Holy Spirit be at work in our hearts and lives today. Breathe through us once again. Breathe through our situations where we feel our circumstances are dead or our relationship is dead or the opportunity for change is dead. And help us trust you that you can do more than we could ask or imagine. Lord, we trust you with our death moments right now and we look for how you're going to bring them life in the days ahead so come holy spirit come and move as we offer you our hearts and lives breathe into this moment for us so that we may be life for rockdale county and the world with the hope of jesus christ and so we pray it in the precious and powerful name